0: Hey moms and daughters of the world, word on the street is there's a new popular podcast in town and the teen TV drama Mamas, Angie and Dr. Nikki have been spotted on many platforms. And I don't mean in Grand Central Station. They've been talking trash behind all of our favorite celebrities backs and teaching them some important lessons. Join the mom and daughter party for mind-blowing insights into the psyche of those badly behaved teen characters we know and love. You'll discover a fresh new way to approach stressful problems so you can have more fun and connection than you ever dreamed possible. XOXO, love the teen TV drama mamas. Mwah!
1: Hello, Teen TV Drama Mamas. We are back talking today about all kinds of relationship dynamics in episodes eight and nine. We have eating disorder. We have lies and deceit and all of the fun and drunkenness. Yes, (laughs) drunken. Oh, that's right. All the history of the drunken version of serena that we haven't seen much of yet so all the gossip girl fun and we are here to also kind of analyze a little bit and bring some clarity to those of us listening and in our own lives how can we learn from gossip girl and figure out what we are doing in our own emotional manipulative ways that we aren't recognizing and looking at all of it. So let's talk about it. Nikki, what did you think of episode eight?
0: Oh God, episode eight. Well, I I think it was really interesting that she started off in a Catholic confessional and I was like, these girls are so not Catholic. These are Protestant owning class girls. Like what is she doing in there? And then I thought, did I miss something? Maybe she is Catholic and I've completely missed it, but she was clearly begging for forgiveness in the only way that she knew how Mm -hmm. in a Catholic church and a confessional about sleeping with Chuck.
1: Right. (laughs) Right. Right. We start off in the Catholic confessional and it is just a situation where you're thinking like, who can I talk to? Who can I get advice from? I guess Catholics go to a priest. I'm Catholic myself. And, but We see that Blair is just at a loss for who she can talk to and who she can tell and what she can do about this and that feeling of guilt. We think of confession goes along with guilt.
0: Right. Absolutely. And, you know, being sinful and also where we feel bad about our bodies and what we do as girls and as women and so on. So that seems all related, but she definitely couldn't tell anybody else about Chuck. That's for sure. Like, you know, not only does she feel guilty and bad about that, but there is the relation to Nate and Chuck's relation to Nate and all of it. So, I guess exactly. that's one place to go. I mean, that confessional is pretty private. Have you been to a confessional before?
1: Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. I grew up Catholic. We actually, um, we have taken our four kids to church. My husband is not Catholic and he's not, um, on board <laughs> with being Catholic, but very, you know, I just said like, let's take that, we'll raise them this way. It doesn't hurt to go somewhere on Sundays and listen and see what you think. And they can make their own decisions as they grow up, but they will know what kind of a religion is, what it entails, what they decide to do when they grow up uh, will be up to them. But we we go to church um,
0: so well, he wasn't a
1: confession. To-
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> I won't My- go deep into what your confessional <laughs> life was like. <laughs> Angie is now turning bright red, just so you know, <laughs> a little different than Blair's. I
1: wasn't, was not really using confession. Yeah. When I was a teenager at all. And My kids don't, but everybody, so in the Catholic church, you're required to go to confession before first communion Mm. is traditionally you do confession for the first time. Um, So Blair using it as this, I thought too, I thought that's the first time we've kind of had a reference to religion or the universe or what do I believe in or God. God
0: yeah, uh, in any way. Anyway. Yeah. I'm Jewish. So I'm, I'm like always <laughs> kind of interested in other religions and so on. I don't know if our kids in some ways believe they have a choice though. I mean, I think when we bring them to, and I know I brought my kids to synagogue, they went to Hebrew school. There was a lot like with the idea that I was actually passing on my religion, thinking that that was good. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know what they're gonna do later in life or not, but I definitely had an idea that I wanted them to be raised Jewish with the possibility that they would hold on to a Jewish identity. Mm -hmm. So it's an interesting thing to think that, well, you know, then they'll go choose, you know, I'm not sure what they would choose. And I can't even tell that I would okay with it or not like I would have to do a lot of thought work to you know to figure that piece out I'm wondering what Blair's family would think about her going to a confessional
1: oh gosh well I'm (laughs) sure her mom would have opinions because her mom is so you know uh, judgmental about everything that Blair does but this in this episode we did see some connection and sweet moments between the parents too, where we've kind of seen Serena's mom as more severe in those first episodes and Blair's mom we've only seen the judgmental harsh side of her and then this this episode we had some sweet moments between mother and daughter moments
0: I mean, did was it this episode or episode nine, where I feel like at least I felt like they were more human, you know, where you could tell that the mom all of a sudden was just extremely hurt by the dad leaving, having run off with you know, Roman or whatever the guy was. Now, I definitely had the sense that she knew he was gay, but somehow he was still staying around for the face and the look of the family. But at that point, he just left and then moved to Italy. And then you saw kind of the vulnerability of Lily coming face to face with with rufus and his wife allison and what that looked like you know so i i do can you remember in episode eight yeah and maybe
1: it was the thanksgiving episode you're right it was episode nine when they were sharing the piece of pie after kind Mm -hmm. of the disastrous thanksgiving
0: yeah Yeah, definitely. Because I think in episode eight, what they were trying to do is they were building up all the lies and then the shit just hit the fan, Yeah, you know, like everything got bad. So Nate's dad got arrested. Everybody's trying to make excuses for him. Nobody's really owning up to the fact that he has a huge problem, not only with drugs, but with business and embezzlement and so on. And Nate's mom, who seemed very sweet before all of a sudden you you find out that she's kind of holding the puppet strings to all of this in a weird way, you know, where she's like funding her husband and trying to make things look good. It was really interesting.
1: Yeah. And we're looking at this scene where Nate's mom says, here's the engagement ring. I insist that you propose to Blair to solidify our place in the elite world now that my husband's kind of career is crumbling i will place all the responsibility on my son to get engaged to blair and once we have that family connection established to blair we will then be okay which how i mean manipulative is this and then nate is in the situation where he has to decide to be true to himself which is he has no desire to propose to marry, to propose to Blair and commit his life to her forever at, in the middle of high school at this age. Or should he help his parents out where they're guilting him and putting this responsibility on him, which makes me think in the context of the real world and most of us, when do we decide that we have to do something for our parents because we feel that sense of obligation? And when do we decide to be true to ourselves?
0: Yeah, I think that's a really interesting one because, I mean, I went to medical school. Now, nobody was forcing me to go to medical school, but there was some obligation to become something, whether it to be going to college after or to, you know, head down a particular road. Now, I, I, I chose this myself, but I know a lot of people in some ways don't choose it for themselves. They might think that they're heading in a direction that they want to go, but I still think that they're also directing themselves in places they think that other people want them to go or where society will want them to go so so I think asking Blair to marry him is kind of an extreme version of where we're still doing things because we know that that's what's expected of us and we have a time frame around it too like that's Mm -hmm. expected of us you know by the age of 30 or what's expected of us whether it be a relationship or marriage or something so there is expectation that's time driven that's really tricky yes Mm -hmm. And
1: I think in some ways it can be so subtle where we don't even realize we're just carrying a little bit of obligation because we know that our parents have invested their time and energy and effort into us or have worked hard maybe to send us to college or whatever we're doing at this point that they, parents probably support kids through 18 and most likely through 22 or at whatever age. So you do have that sense of now, do I need to give back to my parents? What do I need to give back to them? And I think in this case, it's another ask yourself why. So I was thinking of Nate in this situation, deciding if he's going to take on that sense of obligation and try to take care of his parents and propose to Blair or not? What would his why be? Why would he do either of those things? Why would he take on the engagement to Blair or why would he speak up to his parents and say, look, that's not what I'm going to do?
0: Right. I mean, I think we all want our parents to be proud of us and we all want our parents approval, like no matter what, no matter how bad the relationship, everybody wants the approval of their parents. They're constantly looking for it. So it's really interesting to actually separate that is, is a huge act of, I mean, it could be bravery, it could be, you know, resistance or, you know, like kind of independence or whatever it is, but, but we all ultimately want the approval of our parents, me mm-hmm. and my mother in particular, you know, maybe Nate and his mom and dad or whatever. I mean, he's not looking for the family to fall. So you know, some kids, I think, take on that responsibility of keeping everything together because they know that the things around them are crumbling. So I don't know if you've known other families where one kid is just like the peacemaker, doing everything they can in order to make sure that people don't fight or people don't crumble or that things are okay. There are so many, I, I definitely felt like I was that person in my family. So uh-huh. I don't know what that was like for you.
1: Well, I was an only child. So I oh. have a little bit of a. I
0: <laughs> I think I remember that. <laughs> right, right.
1: But yeah, I mean, you can think about what role you have and what is your why. And if Anyone listening, if your why is to please my parents, that's when you really want to look at it because it seems like a good intention. My my you know, intention there could be I want to help them out or I want to give back to my parents. But when you're doing something because you think it will save your parents or it will. Or you'll get their little... approval. Exactly. That's really...
0: The little yeah. crumbs of love that you might get from people pleasing. And right. people pleasing really gets even bigger and bigger. It snowballs. But usually you'll find yourself either becoming resentful or somehow what you're doing is conditional or mm-hmm. you're feeling burnt out. Like it really ends up on a not great course. I, I thought Nate did really well. Mm-hmm. Like he could see that things were really falling apart. And there was a pretty devastating fall with his father and drugs and and you know, really kind of ruining a lot of things. And he was allowing him to hit rock bottom so that he could figure out how to truly get the help that that family needs, as opposed to just glossing over things the way things had been going on up to that point.
1: Right. Which really would just be preventing disaster for like the next two weeks. Like that, that implosion is, is on I mean, on the schedule,
0: we just, <laughs> right. Exactly. It was going to happen anyway. So that's an interesting part about where we're trying to, you know, like stop whatever feelings we have of shame or humiliation, or, you know, where we're worried about other people's feelings, thinking that somehow things are going to get better, but they always get worse. Mm-hmm. And they always hit a really, really explosive bad point at some point.
1: Right. So- right. And that mom just being in that denial. So another parent dynamic that I thought was interesting was the the Dan's mom returning, who Mm. hasn't been in the picture at all. And Jenny really accepting her and Dan kind of holding on to a grudge a little bit of saying, mom, you left. I'm not just letting you walk back into our lives. Like everything's okay. I thought, should Dan have told his mom, he needed her. She kind of said, well, you never told me you needed me, or I didn't think you wanted me or something. And he said, you should have known that. Why do I, as a teenager have to tell my mom that I need you, or that our little, my little sister needs you, that Jenny's being surrounded in this school by all of these, you know, rich, unethical people or whatever Dan thinks that she needs parental guidance. And Should he have said, mom, we need you here, come back.
0: No, I don't think it's his job as the teenager to, you know, get the adults to explain things or I'm not saying that Allison needed to come back or not. We don't know why she left, but there's just so many unanswered questions and so many lies and it gets really confusing. But I totally underlined that part, you know, that his mom said, I asked if it was okay that I'd left and thought you would tell me if it wasn't. Uh-huh. What? I mean the responsibility on your young angsty hormonally driven lonely boy teenage son like he was supposed to figure that out to ask you to come back when he's wondering why'd she leave was it me or not what happened like you know I mean there must have been a million things
1: I agree with you but also what about the point that why do we expect people to read our minds like if you're a angsty teenager and you're Dan and you're saying like fine leave mom I don't care how is Allison supposed to realize oh they want me and love me and want me to be around and why do I think we do this on both sides parents also are thinking why do I have to tell you this why do I have to explain this to you shouldn't you already know that this is what I want from you and we don't just say hey, I need you. I miss you. I I love you. We just want somebody to realize you should know that I want you and miss you.
0: Because the fear of rejection is just too great to bear. It's like a pre-traumatic stress disorder. Like I will not allow myself to feel bad by even asking that question for the possibility that you might answer that question in a way that would feel too hurtful for me, especially Uh when I put so much effort and thought into this family, you know, but if you're looking for that external validation to make you feel loved and wanted, eventually it's never going to be enough. Yeah. I I really like, I know that I had to assume that no matter what my daughter said to me that she wanted me and that Mm -hmm. she was just showing me her hardest, ickiest, yuckiest stuff. And it didn't have anything to do with me because I was freaking great. I did the best I could, you know, and I could always make up for it again, but the assumption going in, even when she told me a thousand times, I hate you, you know, is that she wants me and this is where she's showing it. Mm -hmm. And if you can't go with that assumption, then, then, then it gets confusing about whatever your kids are going through and then what you're going through. And then it, it gets all crazy and whatever. Yeah. So I totally hear what you're saying, but, but I don't know if it's a young person's job to like, try to pull that parent back Mm -hmm. because they really don't know what's going on with her and Rufus like that. That's confusing. I mean, it's, it's almost like you're getting involved in their relationship in a weird way.
1: Yeah, I guess if he was, yeah, if he was saying come back, not just as my mom, but come back and be, be with dad and be the same family that we were before, you're right, then he is asking.
0: Right, right. I think, he, I think they would want it. I mean, they went back to their Thanksgiving the year before and it yeah. looked okay, you know, yeah. I mean, it seemed like things were going okay and then right. whatever happened, happened. So yeah, it's, it's really kind of cute for us to toggle between episode eight and nine, just like they toggled in episode nine between Thanksgiving the year prior and present day Thanksgiving.
1: That's right. No, I think, yeah, these two go well together because it's all the, the family dynamics. And I think, and, and we see the same with Chuck, Chuck starts to express his real feelings and he's clearly one who, who doesn't want to express expresses feelings. And he said, I feel ashamed that there's butterflies. He said, no one feels more ashamed than I do to admit that I'm feeling genuine love, adoration, caring for Blair. And I thought it was really funny the way he said it. And then he immediately turned to ice kind of when she said, I don't, I don't want that. Or I don't want you to have a crush on me. And he Said it wasn't that great anyway. We once again just see that shutdown where he doesn't cry or say that really hurts me or I care about you, Blair. And, and he just says, okay, over, done. I'm cutting it off. Fine.
0: No fear. Yeah. Oh my God, that happens so much. I mean, Mm -hmm. we saw that again with Blair and Serena. Yes. You know, when finally Serena walked in on her and Chuck and then, you know, catches Blair in a lie about whatever was going on with them. But Serena was pretty honest and open. Like I saw you together and she didn't Mm -hmm. say it meanly, but she definitely had a judgment about it. You know, she had just broken up with Nate. Chuck is definitely a person that you can't really trust. Mm -hmm. You know, she wanted her virginity or at least Blair from what I understand, had, you know, had been dating Nate since kindergarten and, you know, still hadn't lost her virginity and lost it to Chuck, who is definitely a womanizing jerk off, you know, in some ways, although I'm kind of loving Chuck, but, you know, like in some weird way, I mean, believe me, I'm not supportive of the way he treats young girls and women and, you know, but, but at least I know what he is, (laughs) you know, it's not, that's so incredibly unknown.
1: But that's true. I know that in that same exchange that you're referring to Blair and Serena, once it came out, as I saw you with Chuck, it just, it turned into that ice emotionless, like, well, that's what you know about sleeping with best friends, boyfriends. It's just like these cold hearted, let me say the meanest thing I can think of and hurt you where it hurts instead of tears. And instead of saying that hurts, I'm upset. I, I care about you. I'm damaged by this. It's right. I'm confused. Right. None of that. Or, you know, the way that you would talk to your best friend and say, I'm really confused with this Chuck situation. I don't know what I'm doing. It's just goes right to that. You made me feel a little insecure when you pointed out that I was kissing Chuck. So now I will just tear you down and shut you down and you cannot come to our Thanksgiving. You're uninvited. It's over ice. Um, yeah.
0: Really wild. Like it, mm-hmm. it went to that bad point, but you, I love that point. You know, the second I feel bad or you make me feel a little insecure, I am going to make you feel as bad mm-hmm. as I truly feel inside for whatever happened and where I'm shaming myself. Yeah. So you will feel just as bad, but, but that's pretty severe. Like uninvite them to Thanksgiving. Right. That's where they went. That's where they were going to go.
1: Yeah. And it doesn't even come with anger. I mean, we we feel anger's like underneath there, but their demeanor is just, I'm wearing my pearls and my dress and I'm just saying these words to you. So mm-hmm. get out, bye. Mm-hmm. And it's we don't see the emotion of it. And again, this came out in 2007, but as I'm watching it, I'm thinking, are young people watching this thinking like, yeah, I'm just like a ice cold bitch. That's how I talk to people when I'm upset. <laughs> I, don't, right. I don't show emotion. I just do this. And then we see the emotion come out later with the eating disorder. Yeah. And instead of talking to Serena, it's cut her out. Now go feel my own pain or avoid my own pain by consuming a whole pie.
0: Yeah. And then, and then vomiting the whole pie too. You uh-huh. know, I mean, she was definitely binging and purging. So things had gotten pretty bad and she went to get some help, but it is, it is so quick how things get shut down and, and then, and then needed though. Like I'm glad that she realized she could call Serena and Serena would come back, uh-huh. but it, it it hits severe portions so quickly. And yeah. You know, I was just thinking about what you said. I was trying to remember what I was thinking that, that idea that the goal in my mind when I was younger was to not feel anything. It was to not feel bad. If somebody said anything to me, it was to be able to give back a mean spirited response and not feel bad about it, feel justified and feel self-righteous about it. Like the goal was to not feel. And I think the goal should be just the opposite. The goal would be to fully feel and let yourself feel it and know that you're okay and figure out like elegantly and interestingly, how to move on and what to do next and who can feel with you or not. So I just, I find it interesting to to see how my goal as a young person was to not feel anything. And it looks like their goal is that too.
1: Yeah. And I think that ties into the, I'm thinking of the word cool. It's like the Uh, idea of cool mm. is, I think in so many TV shows and movies, and I'm thinking of Stephen King's Carrie, when you're the person who experiences some insecurity or someone's bullying you and you melt down and say like, this hurts, you're you're being mean to me or show that emotion, that's the uncool quote unquote way to do it. And then the cool way is to just be unaffected calm or present that you're unaffected and calm and say and say that cutting thing cutting remark and then go home and fall apart in secret or you know create some dynamic in which you process your feelings which is usually an unhealthy amount of alcohol or drugs or eating disorder, self-harm, or whatever we- Or you go
0: scream at somebody else, that whole idea a about way. shit running downhill. You know, right. so you find somebody who you can kind of like, rule on over your and little brother Read yeah, at yeah. them. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's why a lot of people go to school and take stuff out on each other. I mean, I think there are places where things are happening to them and they don't have an outlet to really figure out their emotional lives. Right. And so what they'll do is they'll come to a place where they can actually do that to somebody else. Almost like a volcano that just needs to explode mm-hmm. like in order to feel better yeah just really, really interesting. yeah, yeah I, I love that episode, the Thanksgiving episode. I'm kind of I'm, I'm, I'm really loving this, but but the thing that you and I were talking about a, a, a little while ago was that is that all of a sudden like the shit hit the fan and then everyone started talking to each other. You know, Allison and Lily came face to face. Blair and her mom had to come face to face with her mom's true feelings about what was going on and not lie for a little while. Um, Lily went off with her family and took care of them and then Dan and Allison and Rufus and Jenny and their family took care of each other and it looked like Nate's family was also starting to get the help that they kind of needed or at least get some information about what's really going on and then things looked better then they were able to play then they were able to talk they didn't have to keep up appearances they looked better
1: yeah. And it's this, it's this TV version. We can say in two episodes, it was um, so Dan's dad gets so down with his cocaine addiction that he tries to commit suicide essentially by com- combining yeah. pills and alcohol. it It's like, we have to reach these extreme situations. Mm-hmm. And then at the Thanksgiving table, it comes out that there's been a prior relationship before Allison with Serena's mom and Dan's dad and just like these to me these are bizarro situations that don't happen often in real life but in small ways these hurts that have been there in the past come out and then you're faced with them and at that point maybe there's a way to heal and these terrible situations do have the ability to bring us through to the other side of looking at like, wow, things are a mess. We need to start talking. We need to be honest. We can't hide these things anymore.
0: Yeah. I I think that they're only bizarro in that they are kind of an extreme intense version of something, but I think that the secrecy and the kind of lying and the withholding of the truth is something we all do. You know, I know as a young person, I did it because I knew that there wouldn't be any, good punishment going on. And so if I could even get away with it, one out of a 100 times, I would totally lie. You know, I know that the adults were lying about things that they thought we couldn't handle, but knew weren't going well. So Mm -hmm. you kind of walk around knowing something's wrong, but not knowing exactly what it is, and then creating a version in your head about what is happening there. Like, you know, people who weren't told that they were adopted until they were 14, you know, because they couldn't necessarily handle it, or, or at least, we think they couldn't or whatever it is. Like, I think there's a lot of well-intended attempts to stop people from feeling anything. It's actually a manipulation on our part and their parts to not have to deal with any hard emotions coming at them or that they should feel themselves.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I think the, the emotions happen and occur in this and the lying and manipulation or some deceit at some level is present in so many families it's just that we we aren't hearing about it from our maid with a russian Accent who's who's dressing who's put placing helping us dress and put the pearls on right
0: right 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 like oh
1: a light bulb maybe I should find the what do you
0: mean the real story it's Uh um, uh like did you call your father and find this out yourself yeah yeah I think she's gonna become a bigger part of this that whole idea about the help and how much they're involved in the family especially in raising the kids Mm -hmm. you know staying quietly in the background and watching all of it unfold while trying to keep their job and make a living. So that's really interesting and taking care of the kids. Like they do love those children. Yeah. You know, I think about where kind of nannies or au pairs or whatever, you know, are part of a family and they do love the children and they have a big responsibility of taking care of them. Oh yeah. 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 So yeah and that's
1: a unique situation where you can be outside enough to observe the dynamics where when we're in this situation we have so much love and history with the person it is easier to be blind to the oh my husband has a little cocaine problem but he's just under some stress right now yeah. you it's easier to absorb your own version of the story. And if you're in that role where you can have a little bit of perspective and removal from being completely immersed, you can really see the dynamics of what is happening. (laughs) <laughs> In
0: Absolutely. Things. But you have to do that while not risking your job, which is really an interesting <laughs> combination. Right. Yeah, we have no idea what her and I'm sure we're going to find out her story at some point. Like, you know, how did she come over there? Does she need a does she need citizenship or not? Like, we don't know how invested in that family she is or not you know is it just money or not but it'll be really interesting to see I was Mm going to make one other thing about Vanessa who keeps coming back into people's lives but I just know that my whole family can't stand Vanessa like we we're all sitting on the couch watching it and they can't stand her now I am not at a point where I can stand her but I'm wondering why they can't stand her and I'm just like sitting there thinking in the future like she's probably too self right or maybe somehow undermining or I don't know.
1: Oh, that's interesting. I don't hate Vanessa at this point, but I am thinking a lot about when does the role of girlfriend become the primary trust level of you should have told me first or you shouldn't tell your best friend that. And Claire, uh, Blair makes the comment of, once you have a girlfriend, then you don't tell the best friend. When do you make that transition of, I used to, my best friend was the closest relationship I had. And now my significant other is the
0: interesting I I don't know if you have to make that transition you know I know that there are best friends that I have that I tell things to that I yeah don't necessarily share with my husband then mm-hmm. I know that Lily has the same my daughter has the same thing going on but I thought it was really interesting I'm so glad you brought that up where she was like you know Dan just went through this hard thing where his mother just came back and it was really confusing and now he's got to worry about whether he tells Serena first or not mm-hmm. it happens to be that Vanessa someone's there for it all right so you know she he it's like when when is it about dan and how bad he feels about that mm-hmm. oh and I, I thought one other thing in that in episode eight when blair was looking at the picture of nate and his family and father getting arrested and the mother saw it as well the mother only thought that oh my god this is related to our company but Blair. My my business but Blair could see like oh Nate looks so sad oh wow they must I gotta call him he must be very upset like I saw an emotional side to her where she wasn't only thinking about herself yeah yeah
1: yeah and I think I I was glad to just finally see that in the parents because before it has been only those scenes of oh there was an arrest by a family that we are close with (laughs) I've been for years. How will that affect my business? It's yeah, just yeah. Mm-hmm. such an extreme situation. And then to, to wrap up Nikki, I had to mention that water fight in the shower. So Serena's completely goofy and drunk right. and yeah. at the, um, the scenes from last year's Thanksgiving and uh-huh part of the family and everyone caring for her and she's just such a funny silly drunk. I thought that that all seemed kind of fake and <laughs> ridiculous, like looking beautiful and cracking jokes. And then when um it's Dan, right, takes her up. No, not Dan. Nate takes her up to take a shower. And then the the funny water fight and Blair walks in and they pull her in and everyone's just this happy, beautiful, silly friendship that we all have. And now we have one year later and everything has fallen apart. That seemed a little extreme to me.
0: it's interesting because I think that things had fallen apart that year too. Like they were all kind of making excuses for Serena and her, and her drunkenness or whatever's going on with her and alcohol, but she looked much better this time. I mean, they ended up in an, in an awkward situation with Dan and his family and, you know, Lily and Allison being there, but they definitely looked much more together. Like Serena looked like she could negotiate a situation like when Blair kicked her out she left and no a it's a play, and Serena yeah.
1: is like kind loving thoughtful she has her life completely together she's on track which to me that just feels a little like last year she was such a mess now she's just loving thoughtful open to having this relationship with Dan who wasn't on the radar before kind of it's but that was like interesting vision. where he
0: saved her last year, you know, yeah. and the pie went on the floor. Oh, that was so interesting <laughs> where he, he had always loved this girl and saw that she was like a drunken mess and she had to come full circle and not be the drunken mess in order to open her eyes and see something. See and we it. see a lot of, of vision. I, I don't think she's without problems. That's for sure. But she definitely is being much more thoughtful. Mm-hmm.
1: So, yeah, we're seeing yeah. a lot of that. So it will be fun to see what happens in episode ten. I started watching a
0: little bit, but I haven't watched. Oh, one. did you? You you look at you looking forward cheating. Well, <laughs> you cheating you. That's right. So anyway, like what we suggest is that you know everybody watch the episodes before they before the podcast comes out. Come up with your ideas. We're gonna have polling questions I'm hoping at some point we'll have a workbook I think I'm well, kind that would of thinking be about yeah. it like a little workbook and watch it together with your parents and see what you can come up with you know really like dive in with us and then dive in with each other or possibly with each other but have so much fun and we're just really excited to go on this journey with you
1: yeah checking yeah. out the emotions let's
0: go yeah don't be scared of them they're just feelings we got this. All right. Bye everybody. Bye.